Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day and welcome back to Voice of the Church. We continue in this month to study our book of Daniel, uh, looking today at the fifth chapter when Belshazzar the king throws a party and sees the handwriting on the wall. In June of 2016, the nation of Canada legalized euthanasia. That is, they made it permissible for someone wishing to end their life to have a doctor end it for them without the doctor being held guilty of murder. Ideas have legs. This change of the law changed something of the culture. And I was surprised as I listened to a station the other day to hear a story of someone who had what is called a death party or a euthanasia party. What one of these parties is, is a time when someone plans to die. They gather their friends and family around them. They, they serve good food. They drink good wine. The guest of honor puts on their nicest clothes. Their hair might be done. If they want to put on makeup, they may have on some makeup. They, they dress to the nines. And they celebrate a time with friends and family. And during this time, the doctor comes into the room at some point in the party. And the guest of honor is put to death. It's a euthanasia party. It's a party celebrating before someone dies. Now in the story we have before us in Daniel 5, we read something very similar. It is a party held just before death. I want you to imagine what it would be like to be the person who dies during that party. To in one moment be dressed in your finest clothing. To have your friends, perhaps around you, and family and loved ones laughing, and then in the next moment, to stand before the God and judge of all the earth. What a contrast it would be. In the story before us in Daniel 5, Belshazzar is having a party when suddenly the living God appears. He sends a hand to write a message on the wall, and that message speaks of the judgment that Belshazzar will fall under, and that very night, Belshazzar goes to meet his maker. Belshazzar stands before the judge of all the earth, and Belshazzar fails at God's judgment seat. As we study this passage today, we want to be reminded that each and every human being will one day stand before the God and judge of all the earth. And each and every human being will be put in God's heavenly scales. There's only one way to pass. Today we want to see two things, that this judgment is indeed unavoidable. And second, how this judgment can be endured or sustained or passed. How can God's judgment be passed? First of all, let's notice that it is an unavoidable judgment. Belshazzar, in this story, had a false sense of security. He was in the wonderful city of Babylon. That city was an impressive city. It had four separate walls surrounding it to keep out the foe. The largest of the walls was so strong that at its top it was 24 feet wide, wide enough for a chariot to turn around on top of a wall. He felt that no enemy could get inside that city, and yet, as the story proceeds, we find out that very night the city enters Babylon and Belshazzar is killed. He thought he was safe militarily. Belshazzar also thought he was safe spiritually. I want to read a section of the text now with you. It's from Daniel 5, verse 22. Daniel has just reminded Belshazzar of how God humbled his father, Nebuchadnezzar. 
And Daniel says in verse 22 of Daniel 5, But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Belshazzar knew about God. Belshazzar had heard the story from his father Nebuchadnezzar of how God had humbled Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar had come to confess that there is only one most high God in all the earth. Belshazzar knew this. And yet we read in God's word that he did not humble his heart. He thought he was safe. People speak sometimes of how they have moments in their life where they have an awakening. Sometimes it's been spoken of as glimpses of the divine. Those times in life where where suddenly you feel very spiritual, where you have this overwhelming assurance that God is real. Maybe it comes when a friend is healed from a disease. Maybe it comes after a near accident. It can come in all kinds of different seasons. But these times when you, you come to realize there is something about the Lord. There is something about this Christianity stuff. Glimpses of the divine. Belshazzar certainly had such a thing. He had an awareness that God had acted in the life of his father. And yet Belshazzar, when he had this knowledge that there was a real and true and living God, he suppressed it. That's the idea of sin. Romans 1.18 speaks of what sin is, and it speaks of how people in themselves will suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. They'll take the idea of God, and even though they have a conscience, and even though they, they know something about God is real, they, they push it down, and they try to hide it, and they try to run from it, to ignore the Most High God with whom they have to do. Belshazzar did that. He threw a party. He brought out the instruments, the vessels, the cups, the bowls, and the the plates that were used in God's temple himself, even though he knew God was a living God. And he assumed he'd be safe, even though he mocked the living God. But our confidence does not determine our future. We can think that we're doing fine. We can think we have nothing to fear. We can live our lives with absolute confidence, and yet Hebrews 9.27 says these words, It is appointed for man to die once, and after this, the judgment. We may be rich, or we may be poor. We may have a doctorate degree, or we may never have graduated high school. We may have lived a fairly good and honest life, or we may have been tyrants. But no matter who we are, we will all die, and we will all face the Lord. And in this story, God gives a warning. He gives a message to Belshazzar as Belshazzar sits in his pride. He sends a hand to write upon the wall four words that will warn Belshazzar judgment is coming. Now why would God give a warning to this man who is so caught in his own pride and so self-assured? Why would God give a warning? Well, the Bible teaches us that God gives warnings to lead people to repentance, that they might be saved from the judgment that is to come. Or that God gives warnings, even though people refuse them, so that he'll be shown a just judge. God gives a warning that we might be saved, or that we may have no excuse when we stand before his judgment throne. Now, if you're listening to the story today, God is giving you a warning. 
God is telling you there will be a day you will stand before the judge of all the earth. When Belshazzar saw the warning, it terrified him. We read in in verse 6 that his knees knocked together and his legs fell out from under him. But he didn't change. What will you do with the warning you're given? What can you do with the warning you're given? Well, as the story goes on, Daniel will interpret the words that this hand has written upon the wall. The interpretation comes in verse 26. This is the interpretation of each word, says Daniel. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Earlier in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a kingdom, a stone cut out not with human hands. In that interpretation of the dream in Daniel 2 verse 44, the kingdom was spoken of as a kingdom that will never end, never be destroyed, and not be left to other people. In Daniel chapter 5, we read of how Belshazzar's kingdom comes to an end and will be given to someone else. His kingdom will not last. But there will be a kingdom that will never end, that will last forever. And the only way to be saved from judgment is to turn to the king of that kingdom. One commentator on this passage, a man by the name of Dale Ralph Davis, shares the story of Thomas Edward Lawrence. Thomas Lawrence was a British diplomat, archaeologist, uh, air forceman, a very influential British soldier in World War I. He later became known as Lawrence of Arabia, the man of whom movies were made and books were written. Well, later in his career, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Thomas Lawrence, was in England visiting with good friends Thomas Hardy, the author of Tess of the Dubervilles, and the wife of Thomas Hardy. And as he visited, there was also a, a mayoress in the presence with them, uh, someone of rather upper class within the English society. At that time, Thomas Lawrence was dressed in his simple pilot's uniform, and the mayoress sitting down for tea was not impressed that she had to have tea with this common pilot. She changed the language to French, looked towards Mr. and Mrs. Hardy, and said in French, I have never had to have a tea with a common pilot before. Neither Mr. nor Mrs. Hardy responded. So Thomas Lawrence broke in. He said in perfect French, Excuse me, madame, but can I be of service? Mr. and Mrs. Hardy do not speak French. Would you like me to act as your interpreter? Can you imagine? You had just insulted this man, and now he offers to be the one who can help you. How do we pass God's judgment? How can we endure if we are to stand before the judgment seat of God? Well, the one that we have insulted, the one that we have despised, we must ask for help. Isaiah 53 speaks about Jesus, and it says these words about Jesus. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, Belshazzar had many earthly blessings. He was rich and threw a great party for thousands of people. He had vessels of gold and silver. Jesus did not have those things. He was the son of a simple carpenter. He spent his time with the despised of the society. He was ridiculed oftentimes for his claims. In the end, he was despised and rejected by men, 
a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was nailed to a cross. When David came to know his sin, he said in Psalm 51, Against you, that is against God, and God only, have I sinned. How do we endure on the day we stand before the Lord? There's only one way. We must turn back to the one we have despised. We must remember and realize that one we thought little of, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He is the true King. His is the kingdom that will never end. His is the empire that will never be given to another. And if we are going to be saved, we must be saved by Him and through Him. We must acknowledge our sin, ask for His mercy, and find the grace of God as it is given through His Son. Are you prepared for the judgment of the Lord? If you were to die this day and see the Almighty God, would you be ready to be found and weighed in His scales? Would you meet His standard? There's only one who can. And He has done it, says the Bible, that all who believe in Him may similarly find themselves right with God. Will you trust in Christ this day? And will you rejoice if you do trust in Christ, that on the day of judgment you will be found spotless, fully able to meet God's standard because God has met it for you in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.